Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Good morning. Great to see y'all. Good to see everybody. If you're watching online, thanks for joining us online. I hope you've had a great, great week. I'm excited about what God has in store for us. Man, can you believe we're halfway through the summer already? It's hard to believe it. Amen. Let's go to our text, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Philippians 3 and 12. Amen. It says, I don't mean to say, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, And looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Amen. I love what Paul said. Paul said, look, I have not already achieved everything I'm supposed to achieve. He said, I have not reached perfection. He said, but I am pressing on to win the race that is set before me. And I'm going to tell you how you're going to win the race that's before you, and it's my subject today, halftime adjustments. Halftime adjustments. Amen. Now, the Apostle Paul made a lot of references to sports and to athletes in the Scriptures. Uh, Much as it is today, sports and athletics were a big deal, even in the days of the New Testament. Now, most of you that know me you know that I'm a sports fan, right? I'm not a fanatic about sports. I'm not nearly as crazy about sports as some people are, but I do enjoy the competition of watching my teams play. Amen. Now, my favorite sport is football. I ain't talking about soccer. I'm talking about God bless the USA football. Amen. (laughs) Amen. And my idea of a perfect Sunday in the fall is great church on Sunday morning, amen, a good lunch with family or friends, and then go home and watch football that afternoon, that evening, and that night, amen. ESPN, NFL Red Zone, whatever it takes. I've been to stock car races, I've been to professional and college basketball games, professional and minor league baseball games, pro and college football games. Uh, It's been a long time since I've been to a college football game. I'd love to go again this fall. I've even been, many, many years ago, I went to a bowl game, Alabama versus Ohio State. Folks, that's college football at a different level. I'm just going to tell you right now, amen. That's real stuff. But let me tell you something I've never been able to do. Because I've never played on a team and I've never been part of a coaching staff. And that is, I want to be in a locker room at halftime. Amen. 
I really hope I get to do this someday because to me it would be an amazing experience. You can see clips on the internet or maybe you've seen it in a movie before. Great halftime coaches giving great halftime speeches. Them huddling up teams together and, and talking to them. But I just think being there would be so different. It would be inspiring. It would be so telling. And let me tell you the reason why I want to visit a locker room at halftime. It's because great teams, regardless of the sport, and regardless of the level, pro, college, high school, it doesn't matter. One mark of a successful sports team is the ability to make critical adjustments at halftime. Everybody say halftime. Now, halftime, for those of you who don't follow sports, it's this period of time in the middle of a game where the teams go to their respective locker rooms and they evaluate their progress. They evaluate the status of the game. They look at their weaknesses. They try to make necessary adjustments in order to have a better second half. Because if you don't know this, let me tell you this. The first half is not what wins the game. The second half is what decides if you win or lose the game. True success comes to those teams and coaching staffs that have developed not only the ability to see where they are and how they're performing right now, but they also have the ability to modify their game plan based on what the need is. See, they recognize that success on the field means making tweaks in the game plan, modifying their approach, or maybe even doing something entirely different if the different result is needed. Can you give me a little bit more monitor, Kevin? At halftime, the coaches evaluate what went wrong, they evaluate what went right, and then they adjust their game plan accordingly in order to put their team in the best position to play a winning second half. Now, halftime adjustments can mean a lot of different things. Sometimes it means changing players, even key players. Sometimes it means throwing out the original game plan because you find out it's not working. Sometimes it means scrapping what you thought was a sure fire success strategy and being honest enough to say, this stinks, we got to do something else. Sometimes it means giving an injured player a rest so they can heal and maybe produce results at another time. But sometimes the greatest challenge of all is knowing when to stay the course and to trust the game plan. Now, there's another game even more important than your favorite football team on a Sunday, and that is a game we're all involved in, the game of life. Everybody say life. And I have learned, and most of you have too, life usually does not go the way you planned it, right? It usually doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out. Sometimes what we set out to do or what we set out to achieve, it is not coming to pass the way we pictured it. Maybe there was a greater opposition than what we expected. Amen. Maybe some of your teammates failed you along the way and it affected your game. Maybe you had a setback or a failure. Maybe you just got a little get lazy. Can somebody say amen? And the game of life is not unfolding as you planned it to unfold. Maybe you fumbled the ball. Maybe you dropped the pass. Maybe you miscalculated. Maybe you made a dumb financial move and you had a setback that's cost you years or even decades. Maybe you made a relationship decision somewhere along the way that was very costly, not only for you, but for other people. Well, I got some good news for you today. For this year of 2023, we are at halftime. 
Hallelujah. Come on. Here we are. We're in the month of July, just slightly past the halfway point of the middle of the year. This year is not over. All has not been lost. Come on, somebody. It's time to huddle up in the locker room and reassess and realize it's just halftime. The game is not over. Now, one of my jobs as coach is to point out and to ask you, how are you doing at this point of the year or in this point of your life? And is it possible that you and I might need to make some halftime adjustments to the game plan? Because you see, I'm not sure what your goals were when you started this year off, but I can assure you we all probably need to make some adjustments at this point. Maybe you set some financial goals to get out of debt or to save a certain amount of money or to live on a budget or maybe you wanted to buy a house or pay off a bill. How are you doing at halftime? Maybe you set some personal health goals to exercise more, to go to the gym or to lose a few pounds or get healthier or maybe eat healthier or maybe you're trying to get over a sickness. It's halftime. How are you doing? Amen. Maybe you set some spiritual goals. You want to pray more or you want to read your Bible more. Or you want to tithe faithfully and consistently. Maybe you decided this is the year that you're going to join a dream team or you're going to start serving or you're going to, you're going to actually lead a life group for yourself. It's halftime. How are you doing? Amen. Maybe you set some relational goals, some relationship goals. We're going to work on our marriage this year, or we're going to spend more quality time as a family this year. Or maybe you're single. You said, I'm going to be more intentional about my friendships. I'm going to be a better friend instead of always complaining about not having any good friends. It's halftime. Do you need to make some adjustments? Because here's what I do know. Sticking your head in the sand and pretending things are going to get better without making any changes is a losing strategy. Amen? Doing what you have always done and expecting different results is the mantra of mediocre, stuck-in-the-mud people. Can somebody say amen? Whining and groveling about how your teammates are playing is <laughs> not a winning strategy. Amen? Griping about teammates that fumble the ball or quit will not change your position at all. And let me tell you why. Because it holds you back because you're looking at externals that you cannot control instead of looking at the internals that you can control. Now hear me, I'm not here today to indict anybody. I want to encourage somebody today. It's halftime, which means there's still a second half to be played, and you can change how the game ends in your life. Amen. Using football terminology for the calendar year, the first quarter. It's raining, y'all. The first quarter and the second quarter of the year are now behind us. Amen. And today, you know what we're doing? We're huddling up in the locker room, and we're stepping out onto the field for the second half. 28 Sundays behind us, 24 Sundays ahead of us. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, the third quarter has already kicked off, and your offense is taking the field. Some of you, you might have already written off this year. I want to tell you, that's a huge mistake. Come on, I came to encourage somebody. Some people have already given up on their goals for their health or for their finances or for their relationships or their walk with God. Don't quit. 
Come on, some of you need to do like the prophet did. You might just need to take a nap and eat a sandwich. Amen. Get you some rest and regroup. Amen. Understand the game is not over. You might say, well, how do I make adjustments? Here it is, folks. It's a, here's the key. You've got to have honest self-reflection and evaluation. Now, that's the hard part. Honest self-reflection. Not just what you wish the score was. Well, what really is the score? What condition are you in spiritually? What condition is your ministry in? What shape is your offense in, your defense? How is your life strategy working out so far? What do your finances look like? What does your spiritual game plan look like in light of what the enemy has thrown at you so far this year? How is your marriage doing? How are your kids? Are you moving forward or are you moving back? See, these are the kind of questions that healthy people have to ask themselves. How is your health journey going? See, you only get one body on this side of eternity. How are you doing here at halftime in 2023? See, it really doesn't matter if you're running a business or leading a church or managing employees, leading a family, or just trying to get through life. Hear me. Course corrections are not optional. They're not optional. And as a pastor, I have to take a look at our church and at our staff and at our finances on a regular basis in order to help keep us on track. And sometimes adjustments have to be made. Sometimes plans get filed 13, amen. Sometimes we do certain things and then we have to realize, though, it takes honest evaluation to stay on the path. Folks, can I just encourage you today? We've all got to take regular looks at our lives our personal lives and realize, hear me, no one can fix you except you and Jesus. Come on, amen. Nobody can fix you except you and Jesus. We got to stop blaming the system. We got to stop blaming the last church. You got to stop blaming your last pastor or your mama or your daddy or your cousin. Come on, somebody. We've got to stand up and say, what do I do about my life? What are you doing right? What do you need to work on? Come on. What have you not accomplished yet this year that you set out to do at the beginning of the year? Can you get honest at halftime and say, I am ready for a better second half? Come on. How's your prayer life? Did you begin this year with intentions of being more relational with Jesus, but you've struggled along the way? That's all right. It's only halftime. How is your giving? Are you being faithful or have you allowed other things to cause you to be inconsistent with your giving? It's only halftime. It's not too late to regroup. Are you involved in the lives of other people through ministry or through serving or through small groups or just being connected to the people that you need and the people that need you? Are you content to ride the bench in the second half and just hope things are going to get better for you next year? Come on, are you playing this game of life at your God-given level of ability. Come on. Is the competition beating you down or are you just laying down and not really giving it your best effort? See, look at our text again. This time I want to read it from the Living Bible. You ready? Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. I don't mean to say I'm perfect. I haven't learned all I should even yet. I appreciate his honesty. But I keep working toward that day When I will finally, everybody say finally. When I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. 
No, dear brothers, I am still not all I should be. But I am bringing, look at this, all my energies to bear on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain, everybody say I strain. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us up to heaven because of what Christ Jesus did for us. A winning strategy involves straining, pressing, working. Amen. See, I love that reading. Paul said, I'm not perfect. I haven't learned all I should, but I'm going to keep working at being all Christ saved me to be. Well, I, I thought this wasn't about works. It's not. You're not saved by your works. But the quality of your life has everything to do with how you work, how you serve, how you discipline your life. Amen. In this halftime assessment, Paul decided to forget the negatives of the past and press on toward heaven. Folks, there's been a lot of great halftime speeches and adjustments made throughout history. Most of them were not uh, by sports teams, which, by the way, we all know sports is just entertainment. It's just a diversion from the real life for most of us, unless you're a professional athlete. The rest of us just to get to enjoy it. But the greatest halftime adjustments are made in the real world. Amen. For example, one of those was the Battle of Dunkirk. As spring ended in 1940, the British Army found themselves trapped by the Germans at the port of Dunkirk. There's a movie about it right now, so you know it had to be true, right? Because they made a movie. Their escape route was cut off, and they came up with this crazy adjustment. This crazy plan, it had a very low probability of working. And their hope was, if we can execute this, maybe we can save 45,000 of the troops. The plan was this. They were going to mobilize civilians and civilian boats in England. Fishing boats, tour boats, ferries, you name it. If it floated and it could make it across the channel. They tried to mobilize them. And the plan was, we're going to get them all to cross the channel and come over and save as many soldiers as they can and then hurry right back to England. So when the time came, guess what? A miracle happened. They had perfect weather. The enemy made mistakes. And instead of saving 45,000 troops, over 325,000 Allied troops were saved by a bunch of fishing boats and fairies because they came up with an amazing halftime adjustment. An unorthodox plan that worked because they were not afraid to think outside the box. Another great halftime moment came on June 4, 1940 when Winston Churchill gave a famous speech before the House of Commons and it was considered a turning point in World War II. Here's what Mr. Churchill said and I quote, he said, even though large tracts of Europe and many old and famous states have fallen or may fall into the grip of the Gestapo and all the odious apparatus of Nazi rule. We shall not flag or fail. He said, we shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields, in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Man, if I'd have been in the House of Commons, I'd have said, give me a gun. Give me a pitchfork. Give me a rake. And guess what? It was a turning point 
Because a leader recognized that a demoralized country and a defeated group of soldiers needed somebody to say, don't stop fighting. The battle is not over. Great teams may perform well in the first half, but they know they can't lead up, can't let up in the second half or they'll lose the game. Who cares about a great start if you have a lousy finish? Amen? And I believe that this, our life is the same way with one exception. Unlike a football game, we don't know at what point our life is at halftime. Some people, God blesses them with 80 years of life or 90 years of life. Some people it's 60 years. Some people it's only 30 years or 20 years. See, I believe that life, sometimes you have to understand, life requires constant adjustments. Something else I know about life that's different than football, you don't get instant replay. (laughs) You don't get 15-yard penalties against your opponents. Amen. There is no roughing the passer in the game of life. He hit me hard. Throw the flag. It doesn't work that way in real life. Amen. Age has no relevance because our lives are just a vapor and we don't know how long we're going to be here. See, so the question is, what are you doing with your time and your talent and your treasure? Amen. What are you doing? What are you doing? What am I doing with these three vital components of my life for the stretch run? See, because in life, the reality is most of us start out with a pretty basic game plan, don't we? Go to school, maybe even go to college, maybe get married or not, land a good position in a good company, learn, grow, try to be further ahead each year than we were last year. But before you know it, the minutes on life's clock, They begin to wind down and you realize that you can't play the game of life the same way for the entire game. Something has to change. Take it from somebody that knows. One day you go to sleep at 30 and you wake up and you're 50. My Lord, I'm telling you the truth. Where did the last 25 years of my life go? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm living in a great season right now. My marriage is great. I've got two wonderful daughters, two great son-in-laws. Amen. I've got two grandchildren and one on the way. Life is good. The church is held. I'm so thankful to be where I'm at. But guess what? I cannot get lazy where I'm at. Because I'm going to tell you, I still believe it. And I say it all the time. I believe the rest of your life can be the best of your life. But you got to be willing to make adjustments along the way. Amen. No matter what season of life you're in, today I'm imploring you, make the needed adjustments. And guess what? You don't need me to tell you what they are. You already know what they are. You already know what they are. You knew when you got up this morning. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Don't go into crisis mode. Go into coaching mode. Determined to change some things today. Go into the second half of this year or the next season of your life with a desire to change your outcome. Amen. We all need to understand and remember, life is not determined by what we did yesterday, but by how we react and respond tomorrow. Amen. There's so many areas of adjustments that we can look at in our lives this morning. Amen. But for the sake of time, I just want to share four things before we close. Are you ready? Here's some halftime evaluations. Number one, you need to change the way you pray. Change the way you pray. 
You know what I'm so thankful for right now? I still remember raining hard like this and watching water drip right down in the middle of that floor. Thank you, Jesus, for a roof that don't leak. Amen. Change the way you pray. See, if you're praying and the way you're praying is not keeping you energized to serve God with passion, you might need to change the way you're communicating with the Lord. Now, I'm just going to give you a few tips. Some of these you might apply. Some of these may not have any relevance in your life. But let me just throw a few things out real quick about prayer, some things you might need to change in your life. First of all, you might want to try focusing on the needs of others instead of just yourself. What am I talking about? God said if you would seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, what? All of these other things will be added unto you. Amen. We have to sometimes understand that my prayer life is not just about me, but sometimes I need to pray about the needs of others because nothing changes your outcome more than getting your focus off of self all the time and onto other people. My prayer life used to be like, you know, a five-year-old sitting on Santa's lap. I want this. I need that. I deserve this. Is your beard real? Amen. <laughs> but see, and by the way, now don't neglect praying about your life. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. Jesus was all about us praying about He wants you to share your needs, your spiritual needs, your physical needs, your financial needs, your social needs, your emotional needs. Don't be afraid to talk to Him about that. But sometimes we got to get outside of ourselves and pray for others. Now, you want to know one of the hardest groups you need to pray for? Here's another tip for somebody. Sometimes you got to pray for your enemies. Those that have hurt your feelings through words or actions or avoidance, that may be an adjustment you need to make. And you may say, well, what's that going to do to help me? It's going to help you because it may set you free from bitterness and from keeping score, amen, in your life. Come on, I'm telling you, there's nothing more liberating than being able to get to a place where your enemies no longer have any power over your life. Oh, I want to help somebody right now, amen. Pray for them. Pray for them until the sting comes out of the wound. It will change your life. Some of you might need to pray the word. Everybody say the word. Come on, the best way to view yourself is through the word of God. The best way to develop faith is praying the Word of God and listening to what it says. Amen. Pray after you read the Scripture. Pray in the first person. Read the Bible and say, God, how does this apply to my life? Pray the Word of God. Another way to pray, pray relationally. Everybody say relationally. What I mean is instead of just talking to God about your needs or somebody else's needs, pray in a way that you want to get to know God. Pray to God the way you would talk to a friend. Share with Him. Enjoy Him. Trust Him. Listen to Him. Spend time with Him. Communicate. You establish a relationship with God the same way you do with other people. Amen. Listening and sharing words. Amen. It's about a relationship with Him, not just a religious experience. Amen. See, some of you are frustrated right now in your life or even in your prayer life because you don't seem to be finding answers. You know another way to pray? Ask God for wisdom. James chapter 1 and verse 5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He will give it to you and he will not rebuke you for asking. Some of us grew up where we got rebuked for asking for things. God is not like that. Ask him for anything. He will not rebuke you. Ask for, pray for wisdom. Here's another way to change your prayer life. Are you ready? If you don't pray, start praying. <laughs> 
See, because some of us, the only time the Lord hears from us is when all hell breaks loose in our life. Or when there's some kind of chaos going on, amen? Life could be so much better if you pray more than just in times of chaos. That's a great halftime adjustment. Change the way you pray. Here's another one I want to give you. Change the way you speak. If you want to change the rest of your life, if you want to change the come on, change the way you speak. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about the words that are coming out of your mouth. Come on, speak life. Speak faith. Speak victory. Come on, speak healing. Speak abundance. Come on, speak, speak it in Jesus' name. Amen. Choose words that speak life and not death. Have you ever noticed that negative people are always surrounded by negative events? That is not a coincidence. There's a reason why negative people have a cloud that just follows them everywhere they go. And they have cloudy people that follow them wherever they go. Birds of a feather flock together. Misery loves company. Amen. Learn to change the negative words that are coming out of your mouth. Whatsoever things are right. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Come on. Think on these things. Speak these things. When you speak negative all the time, you're still speaking faith. But guess what? You're speaking faith in the devil. Come on. Faith talk is the language of God. Fear talk is the language of the devil. Faith is the language of God. Doubt is the language of the devil. Amen. Abundance is the language of God. Poverty is the language of the devil. Quit seeing. I hope that God will come through and say, I know God's going to come through. I don't know how he's going to come through, but I know he's going to come through. Come on, even during our praise and worship, have you ever stopped to think of the way you speak? Come on, are you speaking life? Are you giving him adoration? Are you lifting him up? Change the way you speak. Matthew 21, 22. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. Mark 9, 23. Everything is possible for him who believes. I want to read a passage here from Mark 11, verses 22 through 24. And I want you to notice some words that pop out. Amen? Are you ready? So Jesus answered and said unto them, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Look at those verses. Whoever says, things he says, whatever he says, whatever you ask. Come on, we got to change the way we speak. Start talking the language of faith and watch God change. Come on, can I just be real honest with you? Keep speaking like a poor man, you're always going to be poor. Come on, speak, keep speaking like a loser, you're always going to be losing. Start speaking like a winner, you're going to be a winner. Start talking like a Holy Ghost-filled overcomer. You're going to live like a Holy Ghost-filled overcomer. Start talking like you're healthy. You're going to be healthy. Change the way you speak. If you're a gossip, hush your mouth. 
change the way you speak. If you sow discord, get out and change the way you speak. Amen. If you always speak down to your kids or to your family or your spouse, change the way you speak. Watch the entire environment and atmosphere of your home change just by changing the way you speak. I'm talking about halftime adjustments. I'm talking about change the environment and the atmosphere of your home, of your job, of your attitude, of your life. Change the way you pray. Change the way you speak. Number three, change the way you give. Here's a halftime adjustment. I'm not just talking about your money, but I'm talking about what about your time and your talent? What about your relationships? Are you a taker or a giver? Now, we've all got friends, and don't call them by name. And if they're sitting next to you, don't elbow them. Amen. But we all have friends that we could easily put in the categories, right? They're a taker. They're a giver. We've got friends like that, friends that are takers, friends that are givers. Amen. Are you a taker or a giver? How often are we guilty of being consumers instead of givers? Even think about it. Sometimes when we come to church, we come to hear We come to receive, we come to be partakers of, we come to be fed by the Word of God. But sometimes, you know what, I want to challenge you to ask yourself, what contribution am I making when I come to the house of the Lord? Come on, somebody, amen. And hear me, if you can't think of any, then a halftime adjustment is a must. If you want to feel fulfilled in your walk with God. Because here's what I know, we all have time and talents and treasure What are you giving back to God or to your community? Change the way you give. Use what you have, even if you feel like it's insignificant. Use it for God and His body, the church. Make yourself available. Be involved. Be a giver, not just a taker. Decide. You know what? I said I was going to join a team this year, and I still haven't. The year's not over. It's halftime. I said I was going to join a life group, but the year's not over. I'm going to do it. I said I was going to lead a life group. Thank God, fall is still coming. I'm going to lead a life group. I said I was going to volunteer in my community. I'm going to volunteer in my community. I'm going to do it. I'm going to change. I'm going to make some adjustments. And folks, hear me. Even with your giving, if you uh, have struggled in the area of giving of your finances to the work of God, the Bible says if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. And if you struggle in this area, I want to challenge you to be faithful in the second half. And watch God open the windows of heaven on your life. See, I think the greatest waste of time is to live your entire life without ever knowing the point of it. Amen? Give. Why live for just temporary things? Amen? Because the best use of your life is to invest it in something that outlasts your life. Amen? Change the way you pray. Change the way you speak. Change the way you give. And finally, point number four, change the way you live. Praise team, come on up. Everybody say, change the way you live. You got to evaluate what kind of condition your soul is in. You got to check your spiritual appetite. Ask yourself, do I want to make an impact with my life or do I just want to squeak by? Come on. Do I want to have success or do I want to have significance? Amen. See, are you hungry to be the best that you can be? Are you desirous of life change to the point that you hunger after it? You know, 
I don't want to get into it, but there's, this is recent. If any of you follow sports, LeBron James just gave a little speech. I think it was the ESPYs or whatever it was. He's been playing in the NBA for 21 years. And some of you love LeBron. Some of you don't like LeBron. If you're one of the best at what you do, there's always going to be haters because haters going to hate, right? But you know what? He said, and I like what he said. He said, you know, I made up my mind that if I ever get to the place where I'm not giving to the game everything I can give it, if I don't feel fulfilled in what I'm doing, if I don't, if I'm not, and I'm just paraphrasing, if I'm not really giving it my best, that's when I'm going to step away from the game. And then he said this. This is kind of cocky, but I like it. He said, and the good news for y'all is I'm not ready to give up yet. You know what? I like that attitude that says, you know what? I'm still bringing my best, so I'm not going to quit. There's a reason why, other than God-given natural abilities, there's a reason why a guy like that plays for 21 years and he ain't done yet. You know what I just heard his goal is? His son is starting his first year of college ball. Somebody said his goal is he wants to play in the NBA with his son. What in the world? I just want to be able to walk and see a game if my son was in the NBA. What am I talking about? Do you have a passion for the way you live? Change the way you live. How do you change the way you live? Here's 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. You ready? Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Well, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, but are you in the faith? Are you living the way you're not supposed to live? Test yourselves. Change the way you live. You know what I know? Life is a school of character development if you're willing to learn. And God wants to use everything that happens in our lives to build character in us. In order to change the way you live, you might need to do some spiritual house cleaning. Amen. Do you know why a lot of people, even church people, are struggling? It's because our homes and our lives have not been cleansed of sin. Come on, that's that little three-letter word that nobody likes to I'm talking about sin. Amen. We call it everything else. Temptations, proclivities, addictions, strongholds. I'm not diminishing those things, but you know what? Sometimes we got to call it what it is. It's sin. And it's stuff we wrestle with. And sometimes we need to clean house. You got to change the way you live. Say, I'm, I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to entertain that anymore. I'm going to get help to try to break that cycle in my life. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to change the way I live. I want you to stand with me all over this house. Proverbs 12 and verse 3 says, No one can be established through wickedness, but the righteous cannot be uprooted. You want a good second half? Proverbs 20, 12 and 7. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous stands firm. Change the way you live by learning from your past, not continuing to live in it. All of us have setbacks. All of us have failures. But a good team at halftime acknowledges their failures. They learn from it. They, and they don't just live in it. That's what the Apostle Paul was trying to say to us. Forget the past. Look forward to what's ahead. I'm going to tell you right now. Today can be a life-changing day for some of us. If we just recognize the needed adjustments along the way. Hear me. Even small ones can change the trajectory of your life 
forever. Forever. We need to move beyond the blame games and excuses and realize I am responsible for the way I live my life. And God has a plan for me. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Everybody say halftime adjustments. Now I just read to you what Paul said in Philippians. But let me read to you what Paul said at the end of his life. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And finally, everybody say finally. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I'm going to open up this altar right now. And I want to invite you to step out from where you are. And I really believe in my heart that every single one of us knows there's things that I can change that's going to make my life better, that's going to make my spiritual life better, that can make my marriage better, that can make my, my financial picture better, whatever it might be. And I just want to invite you to step out from where you are and come forward, amen, and lift your hands and say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to make an adjustment. Come on, some of you, there might be some people in your life that you need to cut loose. Make that adjustment. Short-term pain might be long-term gain. Amen. Make that adjustment. Some of you, whatever it might be, just say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to take that next step in my prayer life. I'm ready to take that next step in giving. I'm ready to take that next step in serving. Whatever it takes, God. So why don't you come on down with me? Let's begin to lift our hands. Let's begin to call out to him. Amen. God, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want to make some adjustments, God. I want to make some adjustments in my life.
certainly an exciting day. It's my first time getting to baptize somebody since I had surgery, so I'm really excited today. Uh, the Bible tells us in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus, before he was getting ready to ascend into heaven, that we were to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. About seven days later, Jesus is resurrected or ascended into heaven, and Peter shows up. And Peter was asked the question, what can I do about my sin, in essence? What can I do about the thing Pastor just preached about? And Peter told them to repent and to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins, and they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And since that, from that day to this, thousands upon thousands of people have been baptized so that their sins could be washed away. And because of faith in that, Chris has made a choice today that he's going to make his life different. All of these people are making their lives different because they've chosen to have those sins remitted in the watery grave of baptism. Aren't you thankful for that today? Amen, amen.
Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.